are so grateful that you are joining with us on our podcast. We exist to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. We are a church here in Salt Lake City, and we invite you to connect online at lifechurchutah.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks for uh, being out here today on this lovely, blustery, cold uh, winter day here in Utah. It's great to have each one of you. Um, Can I give you guys an update on uh, One Day to Feed the World? I would like to let you know, and I'm super excited about this. Um, so, uh, so this is for those of you who are new to Life Church, and there's a number of you that are maybe this is your first time here. One Day to Feed the World is a ministry or a part of uh, uh, Convoy of Hope, and Convoy of Hope is a ministry that we've supported for many, many years, and uh, we have received this offering uh, many, many times. I'm not even sure how because it predates my time here as a lead pastor. And uh, through the years, there's been, been great generosity, and uh, this year you guys blew the lid off, and I am so, so, so excited to be able to let you know, you ready for this? That together with all of our campuses, so here the two services are uh, service in Spanish at 1 p.m. and then our Tooele campus, uh, we, uh, we've been able to give to a Convoy of Hope for One Day to Feed the World $45,000. Now... Uh, that blows me away at your generosity. And then the following week, I think it was two weeks later, we asked you for you know, more gifts and things like that. This congregation is living out one of our core values, which is radical generosity. This is who we are, and I love this, that it is displayed for, for all to see. And, and um, the, the way I, so I called Convoy up and called Jeff Anderson, who spoke uh, here and kind of expressed uh, kind of the heart of One Day to Feed the World, and I told him uh, that number, and he was blown away. I mean, he was like shouting on the other end of the phone. And I said, so what does that mean for Convoy? What exactly does that look like? And he said, with con- the, the way that Convoy is able to, with their partnerships, and uh, you know, they, they've got people that match gifts and all of that, that the 45000 turns into over $200,000 of aid for people. And you made that happen. You made that happen by being generous and opening your hearts. And I love what Natasha said earlier. It doesn't stop there, right? I mean, we are, this is a generous congregation. This is who we are. And just thank you for your ongoing gifts, your ongoing support uh, through the missions and through just your normal tithes that are brought in. Uh, it is making a difference in our world. It's not just here, but it really is truly uh, going in the, around the world. So thank you uh, so much for your generosity. And speaking of Convoy of Hope, uh, many of you might have heard uh, this last, uh, I think it was Friday night, uh, the tornadoes that hit all in the Midwest there. And one of those in particular places was Mayfield, Kentucky. And that is actually my wife's hometown. And uh, so her hometown, uh, is, uh, is devastated. But the crazy thing is, Convoy of Hope is already there. And they're working out of the church, Shelley's home church, uh, Mayfield First Assembly, because it was actually untouched within like a half mile, I think, of where the tornado went. But, uh, but her home church is untouched, so Convoy of Hope is right there, and uh, it's going to be a site for distribution and support. So this matters what we do. And I'm just excited for that. So anyway. All right, enough of that. Uh, 
my neighbor was driving me home, uh, and I felt like he was taking a bit too long. This was a, a number of years ago. And uh, I had stuff to do, right? It was a Saturday, uh, if I remember correctly, and I had stuff to do to take care of. And how many of you, you know, you, you feel like you've got something to do and somebody's taking too long and you get bugged? Anybody uh, that way? And I can do that. For, I could be the person that bugs other people because I have a lot of words and so I tell stories. Um, but we went to his shop to go pick up a few things. And uh, he owned a muscle car shop. He lived across the street from us, owned a muscle car shop. And I was always up for going to his shop where he made, you know, 1,500 horsepower monsters and just incredible things. So it was great going there. So I enjoyed going there, but he did seem to be taking a little bit longer than normal. We had the big trailer. And so he's having me get out, uh, I don't know, some like lifts and uh, uh, a, a transmission jack and all this stuff. And I'm like, going, what is this for? And he's like, well, it's for a project I'm doing and all that. So um, we lived in a place called Oswego, Illinois at the time, and uh, it was, uh, the, the way that our neighborhood was built was they built half of it. And Anybody remember 2007, the crash uh, that happened there in real estate? So real estate stopped in Illinois right around that time. We bought our home. Very exciting. Buy at the top, man. That is the best thing you can do. And uh, so, we, uh, so no more homes were built in our neighborhood. It's supposed to be 200 homes. About 100 were built. And so everything around us, there were, there were no other homes. And so it was kind of open fields. And as we're driving back, um, I see uh, cars parked in the neighborhood, and that's a little bit unusual because there's not that many people that live in our neighborhood, and so we're driving up, but I am oblivious. My family knows this. It is just, I just, I don't pay attention a lot of times, and so we were driving in there, and I see all these cars, like, oh, wow, look, there's a lot of people here, <laughs> and, um, but me being oblivious, we pull up to my house with, you know, cars parked around and all that stuff, pull up to my house, I'm completely oblivious, open up the garage door, and it's a surprise party for my 40th birthday, which I didn't remember, you know, whatever, and um, so it was a big project to do a thing on my Bronco and, and all this stuff, so I mean, it was just a complete surprise. How many of you have had a surprise party thrown for you that you were actually surprised at, like totally surprised? Raise your hand real quick. I, that was me, totally surprised. And th can I tell you how oblivious I am to this whole thing? Earlier that morning, I had gone downstairs. We had a craft room in our house, and that was like Shelly's, uh, I would say solitary confinement, but that's not the right thing. It was her sanctuary. <laughs> and, uh, so, so, uh, so I went down there to find, she was busy down there doing something on the Saturday morning and, and go down there, and I'm talking to her. And interacting with her for, I don't know, probably 15 minutes, 10 minutes, something like that, just talking to her and all that stuff. Well, my surprise birthday cake is there, opened up for the world to see, but who did not see it? Like, Shelly is here, I'm talking to her, the birthday cake is right there, and I missed the birthday cake, and has my picture on it. So anyway, that was just... Uh, oblivious. So uh, surprises can be fun. Uh, by nature, they're unexpected. Some people handle the unexpected better than others. And uh, so I got to looking online about like uh, surprises that went bad. And don't do that. It's, uh, it's really bad. But, um, but I did hear of this one surprise party. I thought this was very classic. And uh, for all of you um, who are single, I hope none of this ever happens to you. But here it is. I heard about a surprise party that a boyfriend set up for his girlfriend. Everyone arrives when they were supposed to, except the boyfriend. That was his way to break up. <laughs> Happiness. Needless to say, that was not a surprise birthday party that anybody would want to, uh, anybody would want to remember. So, yeah, hopefully you don't have a surprise like that in your life. So, In the small town of Nazareth, expectation was running high. 
One of the families had recently entered into a marriage agreement, uh, one, of, one that was helpful for the families, for both of them in the long run, to care for their daughter especially, and also set up to benefit the community. While the engagement was exciting, the end goal of marriage was still a little ways off. And the engagement was binding, just like marriage. And uh, the cause for celebration, this little town where everybody knew everyone. A little town called Nazareth. And in this town were maybe four to 500 people. So, I mean, we're talking a very small town. And uh, so obviously this was a big time of celebration as Mary is now betrothed uh, to uh, or promised to, be, uh, promised to be married to Joseph. And so it is a big deal. And this can be a lot of pressure, especially on a young girl. And uh, if you've been around the church for a while, you understand that Mary was probably about the age of 13 when all of this is taking place. How many of you did not know that? Can you raise your hand really quickly? So if you know the Christmas story, about the age of 13 is what scholars believe that Mary was at this time. So imagine the surprise (laughs) that Mary experienced when an unexpected visitor showed up one day. Luke chapter 1, if you guys want to turn there to Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, we find out later, Mary did not know about this, uh, this other pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled by his words and began to wonder about the meaning of this greeting. So the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Listen, now, 13-year-old young girl just got engaged to, uh, to Joseph. Imagine how these next words fall into the heart of Mary. Listen, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be, and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. Mary shocked a bit. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. So this passage is one that many uh, read at, during the Christmas season, right? Some of you have traditions in your family where uh, you sit around maybe Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, and before you, uh, there's one family I was talking to, I can't remember, I think it might, might be the Hansons, they sit around and they, they read the Christmas story uh, before the kids get to open the presents. How many of you think that is torture at some level, right? That is, uh, <laughs> right, okay, thank you guys. And uh, I don't know about you, but my kids would, uh, yeah, they would have something to say about that. But it's an incredibly spiritual moment for their family, I am sure. And, uh, but, but right, we read this story. We, we, we sit down and we read it, but how often do we not actually think about the context of this? How disruptive would this have been to Mary and her family? 
Thanks, God, for putting me into tough circumstances. Have you ever been in tough circumstances before? <laughs> and sometimes we go, okay, God, not so sure about this, but I got to trust you. And so uh, it doesn't say exactly where this happened or how this happened and all of that, but somewhere there in Nazareth, probably in her home, uh, she is sitting there and the angel Gabriel comes to Mary. Now, the angel Gabriel is somebody who was known to the people of Israel. Uh, we can go all the way back to the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel was in, in a moment of vision, and the angel Gabriel comes to him and begins talking to him about the end of times, begins to tell him, hey, we're going to tell you some things. You're not going to believe it, but believe it because it's going to happen, so get ready. It's going to happen thousands of years later, but one of the things that's interesting about Gabriel's inter interaction with Daniel is that Daniel, uh, it's revealed, he is freaked out by this image, by this presence, by this physical appearance of this angel to him, Daniel is freaked out by this. And he is like filled with terror over this uh, angel that shows up, this angel Gabriel. If he was, it's no surprise that Mary is wondering what kind of greeting this is. Oftentimes, angels would bring message of destruction. We see that in the Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, sometimes you hear other angels bringing you know, messages that are really hard to hear or things like that. But in this case, Mary's going, okay, what you got for me, uh, Gabriel? I don't know what this means, but I'm ready for whatever it is that you've got for me today. Mary knew this angel, and to the Jewish reality, it was not just any angel. This Gabriel is part of the archangel hierarchy in the Jewish world for the way that heaven is set up. You've got God, right? And then just below that would be the angels, according to the Jewish way that they would structure things. And really, there are three of them. Two are mentioned in the Bible. One is mentioned extra-biblically. You've got Michael, the archangel, Gabriel, the archangel, and you've got one named Raphael. So not the Italian version, but the uh, whatever that would be, the Jewish version. Um, and, uh, but one of the things that Gabriel says to Daniel that he also says to Mary is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And over and over in the birth narrative, we see this same message being given to those who are listening. Do not be afraid. To Joseph, to the shepherds, and ultimately to the nation of Israel. And so for us, this is a greeting of hope as well, not just for Mary, the way that the angels appear. It's not just for Mary, but for us as well, that do not be afraid. Into whatever circumstance you are currently walking through, these are the same words for you today. Do not be afraid. Just lost your job even in the middle of, I think we're at what, 28 2.1% or 2.0% here in, in, uh, in Utah. I was going to say Illinois, but that's a little bit higher. Uh, 2.0 2 here in, uh, of unemployment here. Jobs are still being lost, right? Unexpected. But into this moment, I believe God can speak those same words to you. Do not be afraid. Into a new direction that the Lord is asking for you to go, do not be afraid. Into a circumstance that could potentially backfire because you're stepping out in faith just like Mary do not be afraid. And to this was given, or to this, uh, um, in this message that was given to Mary, imagine this, to wind up pregnant in that culture before you were married. 
In our culture, uh, and I'm going to say this, um, in our culture, um, it has become very much the norm and very much expected, right? It's just something that happens. Uh, I believe the Bible reveals that shouldn't be that way, that there is a, uh, there is a better way. Uh, and I would say God knew that even in the midst of asking Mary to receive this promise. But to wind up pregnant before marriage, there was shame on her, shame on Joseph, shame and blame brought to her family. Remember, this is a town of 500 people. That's smaller than a life church, right? I mean, that, that's, I mean it, is a, it is a small group of people, realistically, and everybody knew what was happening in everybody's life. Joseph knew this as well. What were they going to do? Because eventually, I'm not sure if you know this, but eventually you can see that someone's pregnant. What are they going to do after the first trimester? Can, can, they, can they hide it? Who do they tell? Who do they trust? How do they do this? Oh, yeah, sure, God. Yeah, yeah, sure, the Lord made you pregnant. But look carefully at Mary's response. Her response is not no. Her response is one of inquisitiveness. Uh, there's certain circumstances that don't seem to line up with making this a reality. Can you see that? So how is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? In other words, it's I'm listening and I'm open, Lord, to whatever you have for me. I trust you. That's kind of the bottom line with what Mary is asking or what Mary, how Mary is responding here. And this is a position that we should all be in as well. When we can't quite figure out exactly how God's going to do this thing, our position is that of trust. Uh, step out in faith in your finances, which many of you perhaps did for the very first time in your life uh, in giving for the one day to feed the world or maybe providing gifts uh, for all these children, right? You step out in faith and God's asking you to do that. Some of you probably were sitting here in the middle of a service when we're talking about this and God prompts you and says to you, hey, I want you to step out in faith and you go, God, do you see the balance in my bank account? And God says, I want you to step out in faith. It's not no, but God, I trust you. And for those of you who stepped out in trusting him, what I believe you saw is God was faithful to providing for your needs. Some of you that were incredibly generous for one day to feed the world, it's the, some of the gifts that were given were not gifts that were like easily swallowed. <laughs> not like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and give that. It makes no difference to my, to my bank account. They made significant differences in your bank account. And I believe God sees that and goes, I got this. And so you can step out and trust him. Stepping out and sharing your faith with a coworker. Right in our world today, with all of the uh, political correctness and trying to figure out how do, I, how do I do this without getting fired, right? Maybe you're trying to share with um, your boss, and God laid on your heart to share with your boss. You're like, and it's like God saying, uh, go for this, and you're going, uh, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I trust you. Second chance in your marriage. God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I trust you. Stepping into faith in Christ Jesus for the first time, not knowing what it all means. But God, I got to trust you with this. 
God, I've got to trust you with every bit of my life. But through Gabriel, uh, Mary finds out the answer uh, as to how this is going to happen. It's a pretty supernatural and compelling answer. The Bible says that the Lord will overshadow you. The Lord will overshadow you. So when you hear that phrase, overshadow, uh, the thought when I was preparing was, um, anybody seen the movie Avatar? Not Avatar, Last Airbender, terrible movie, but the movie Avatar with the tall blue people. Anybody remember that one? Uh, there is one of, the, uh, one of these uh, animals that are in there, and it's, uh, it's called the last shadow. And the reason it's called the last shadow is because it's the last shadow you're ever going to see because you're going to die. Okay, that's basically uh, why it's named that. Um, but that is not what this is. This overshadow is not that. In fact, the word overshadow here goes back to the Old Testament. And there's a couple of different places where we see this idea of the overshadowing happening for the nation of Israel. Um, it's, uh, again, it's not imminent doom, but the shadow is a shadow of care and a shadow of love. So what it is is overshadowing when the, when the, when the presence of God was there among the people of God at the temple or at the, uh, uh, at the tent the Bible says that there was an overshadowing of God's presence. And so it was his presence that was there, not physically, but his, his presence was there overshadowing. They knew he was there because of that shadow that was over them. Another time, uh, and, and this, we, we see this a number of times in the Psalms, that the psalmist talks about the overshadowing of God's wings. It's his protection in our life. And so... What Mary was going to experience in a completely supernatural, non-physical way was this overshadowing of the Spirit of God over her life. And somehow, supernaturally, she would become pregnant. And it says, Gabriel goes on in verse 36 of Luke chapter 1. He says, and look, uh, your relative Elizabeth has also become pregnant with a son in her old age. Although she was called barren, she is now in her sixth month. And Gabriel says this one statement, for nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. Now, it was Gabriel who talked to Zechariah, who was Elizabeth's husband. Now, he was a priest and he was in the temple one day doing the duties that a priest does. And I just thought of Nacho Libre duty. Anyway, um, so he's, he's in there in the temple doing the duties that the priest does there in the temple. And the angel Gabriel appears to him in that moment and says, uh, I've heard your prayers. I'm going to answer those prayers and your wife will become pregnant. Now, Zechariah's response is, I don't believe you. Very different than Mary's response, right? In Zechariah's case, he was actually uh, struck where he could not talk anymore until the child was born and he wrote down the name John and then he could speak uh, the praises of God. But it was, so Gabriel who talks to Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband in the temple, um, Gabriel was sent because um, God wanted to answer this heart's cry that Zechariah had. God, I need an heir. Lord, I would love for a child to be born to Elizabeth and I. And it was supernatural that took place there, just like what's happening with Mary. Um, no one saw it coming, by the way. They were an older couple. The Bible doesn't say exactly how old, but they were an older couple. And uh, there was no chance for childbirth to happen. Nobody saw it. Um, but here's what I know. 
that God is up to something when impossible is our first response. I really believe that with all of my heart, that God is up to something when impossible is our first response. A healing that you think is impossible, God is up to something. Financial ruin, seems impossible, God's up to something in the middle of this. A son or daughter that walked away from God, addiction, God can be at work in your circumstance. How is it that nothing is impossible with God? How is it? Does he just snap his finger and make something happen? I would like for that to be the case every time God moves. How many of you would like it to just be that God snaps his finger and boom, it's all done with? <laughs> but right, as we, as we learned a couple of weeks ago, uh, there can be a process uh, involved with the way that God works in our life. And um, we see the same sort of thing happening here with Mary. Because God does not snap his finger and baby Jesus is born. That's not the, <laughs> like that, oh, gotta go and, you know, have the baby, right? That's not the way that it happens. It happens over a period of time. And remember, probably for the first little bit, you're wondering, God, did you really do what you said you were going to do? Um, what did Mary do when hearing this? This impossible thing. Her response is a response of faith that we all need to engage in. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 38. So Mary said, yes, I am a servant of the Lord. Let this happen to me according to your word. And then it says that the angel uh, departed from her. Now, Mary's surprise is twofold here. So this is the first time she's hearing about Elizabeth. Didn't know that back then. They didn't have, like, Facebook. Hey, everybody, guess what? I'm pregnant. <laughs> right? You don't have any of that stuff going on. Uh, it took a long time for news to travel. Uh, one lived way up in northern Judea. One lived way down toward the southern Judea, right? And so the information had not gotten there. So this is a surprise uh, for Mary, as well as the surprise for what's going to be happening to her over the next nine months. Remember... God is up to something when impossible is our first response. Um, Mary says this final answer uh, to Gabriel, and he says, yes, I'm ready. I trust in you. Yes, God, be it to me as you have said. And uh, did Mary have any promise or any proof that what God said would come true in her life? There's no proof. It's called faith. And to me, I think that's beautiful that Jesus was birthed literally out of faith. And now we ourselves need to have faith in who he is. The bottom line, Mary had courage to follow through on what God was revealing. How does courage mark us in our faith? Does it take guts to live the life that we live? for Christ now if we blend in with the rest of the world and if we're just like the rest of the world there's no courage at all involved in that kind of faith but for Mary what kind of courage did it take for a young 13 year old girl in a culture where she possibly could have been put to death for being pregnant outside of wedlock what kind of courage did it take for her to say yes her courage and her faith cost her something. Now, courage comes from the belief that with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing lies out the realm 
lies outside of the realm of possibility for God's action, right? By Mary accepting this role that God has determined, she opened up the future for many, many others, which includes us today. Her courageous step of faith, her decision to trust God with her life leads to us today. It's a direct line to us today. It would be easy for us to say that all of this was easy for Mary, right? Because uh, emotion is uh, kind of devoid in a lot of the scriptures that we read in the sense that it doesn't say anything about the nine months that Mary, uh, that Mary encountered there. We have a little bit about her first three months, uh, but we have nothing about the way that the rest of the city responded. We have no, nothing there about how she told her parents. We have a little bit about how Joseph was responding in the, mirac- the miraculous way that God responded to Joseph's questions, right? But we do not know what happened through those nine months. The fingers that were pointed at her, the stories that were told about her. Anytime you step out in faith, there's probably gonna be consequences. And they can be good consequences, right? It's not just like bad ones, right? It can be very, very good consequences stepping out in faith, but anytime we step out in faith, there are consequences for that decision of faith. Sometimes they are tough. Sometimes those st- the, the things we step out on in faith require us to change a friend group, <laughs> right? Sometimes that step out in faith that we do requires we change jobs. Sometimes it requires us to swallow our pride and ask for forgiveness. Sometimes stepping out in faith requires us to have that courage that Mary had. Now, one of the things that I love about this as we close out, and we'll be doing communion in just a few moments, so if you want to go ahead and get your, uh, your cups ready. Where did Mary go to first? Right, where, where did she turn to first in the story? Now, again, we don't have all of the stories. So there might be something she turned to first, but what's recorded in the Bible where Mary, Mary turned first? Remember, Gabriel had said, hey, your, um, uh, your, your relative Elizabeth, she's, been, she's pregnant already in her sixth month. Where does Mary go? Mary makes a beeline to go to Southern Judea and she wants to get to Elizabeth and say, Elizabeth, what gives here? How does all of this work? How do I trust God? How do I, how do I work through this? She gets to somebody who's walking down the same road with her. I have never been pregnant. My wife has been, but I have not. But there is something obvious in the companionship that Mary was longing for in that moment to be with somebody who's experiencing something supernatural in her life. And the cool part of the story, you know, Mary shows up there and, and uh, John, the, John the Baptist is uh, the child that'll be born uh, to, uh, to Elizabeth and Zechariah. The baby leaps in, in Elizabeth's womb. There's something there of a connection uh, that is happening. Um, you know, and, and Mary, for practical reasons, help, uh, am I supposed to be as tired as this? When is the morning sickness gonna go away? Do you have any saltine crackers for me? I mean, all that stuff. I'm really craving buffalo wild wings, whatever it is. What's normal? And so I love it that Mary got up, it says in the Bible, and went hurriedly into the hill country to a town of Judah, entered Zechariah's house, greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed with a loud voice, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child in your womb. And who am I that the mother of my Lord should come and visit me? 
For the instant the sound of your greeting reached my ear, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed what was spoken to her by the Lord that it would be fulfilled. How much courage did it take for Mary to go on the about seven to 10 day journey all the way down to be with Elizabeth, somebody who understood what she was going through. We need this in our life, right? If, if you are surrounded by people that anytime you say, hey, I really believe God's kind of working in my life in this way and they're naysayers, get a different group of people that are going to be surrounding you and find those people that are gonna say, yeah, let's explore what God is doing in your life. Let's see what God wants to do through your faith and through your courage. Let's together figure this thing out. Get with people like that, I guarantee it'll change your life. The smallest step that you're planning on taking, maybe to the biggest thing that you're wondering, God, have, are you calling us to go and, I don't know, maybe give our lives on the mission field? Or God, you're calling us to give this, whatever this thing is up, sell our home and downsize God, whatever it is. Lord, how do we do this and find the people that are gonna be a blessing? life. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. So where are we today in all of this? What does all of this mean today and how does this actually work tomorrow? Right, Mary stepped out in faith and I'm going to say a courageous faith and trusted God. And the great thing is we all know the end of the story, right? On a, uh, just a little bit later on in here, not an easy road, by the way, all the way down to Bethlehem now. The baby Jesus is born in a manger. All because Mary trusted. All because Mary had faith that God, you've got this. And Lord, we're going to trust you. And it started with that initial position where she said, God, I trust you. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads for just a moment. You know, we're gonna be celebrating communion, but uh, really the first step in being able to celebrate communion is that right relationship with God. And the way we're in right relationship with God is really pictured beautifully by, uh, by Mary in this moment, where she says, God, I don't have it all figured out. I don't know how this is gonna happen, but God, I trust you with my life, with every bit of my life. And ultimately, Jesus is revealed as the Son of God who gives his life on a cross for us, who receives the punishment that we deserved and gives us life. And we found out through the book of Romans that we're currently going through this all by faith. It's not by any works that you do. It's not that you can't earn your way into right relationship with God. It's all by faith, just like Mary. And if that's you this morning, you would say, Pastor Rich, I know I need Jesus in my life. I know I need faith in God. I know that I need that this morning. If that's you, can you just lift your hand really quickly? Maybe it's just a rededication. Maybe this is something you're going, this is a first time decision that I'm making to follow after Jesus with my whole life. Thank you. Father God, you see every one of these hands that are raised. And I'm gonna invite everybody to repeat a very simple prayer after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for changing my life. Jesus, thank you for taking my sin and for forgiving me. Jesus, thank you for always being trustworthy. And Lord, give me courage to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. And so in right relationship with God, we're able to remember 
what Jesus did on the night that he was betrayed. The Bible says that he took bread and he broke it and he blessed it. He said, this is my body which is given for you. Father, I thank you for this emblem that is your body that is broken for us. Lord, your word says in Isaiah 53 that by your, by your stripes we are healed. And God, we know that you took the punishment upon your body that we deserved. We are the ones who sinned. We are the ones who chose to walk away from you. We are the ones who chose not to fulfill a covenant. We are the ones who turned our backs on you. And yet, while we were still sinners, Christ, you died for us. And so Lord, we stand in awe. And Jesus, we thank you for the courage that it took you to do what you did for us. God, help us to return that courage in the way that we live our lives. So Jesus, thank you. Bless this emblem. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. You can carefully peel off that second uh, layer there. If you need help, ask a friend. And Jesus, we're also grateful for this cup that represents your blood that was shed for us. That Jesus, we have hope because of you. We have hope in life because of you, that you gave yours for us. Lord, your word says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Lord, little did those, those people know that lived at your time that that ultimate sacrifice that you were making, that that blood would be enough to cover our sins all through the future for every man, woman, and child, that your blood is powerful to forgive. And Lord, we are grateful for that. Lord, we love you. We praise you this day. Thank you again for your blood that was given for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake together. I think it'd be great if we ended this service. I know we're just like a minute or two over right now, but I think it'd be great if we ended. Um, can, you, can you lead that one part? We've been, we are just grateful and thankful uh, for what the Lord has done in our lives. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every the goodness of God. God again, let's sing that to the life, Lord. And all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness God. Lord, truly this is our place, Lord, to sing the goodness of God. We are grateful and thankful for the life that you've given us. Lord, you have been with us through thick and thin. God, thank you for the courage that you give us to respond like Mary did to an impossible situation. 
And God, let it be that when we face difficult circumstances uh, tomorrow or later on this week or in a month from now, that God, we would remember the courage of a young 13-year-old girl when faced against impossible circumstances, that God, just when we think it's impossible, Lord, you show up and God, you're at work. So God, be at work within us. Continue to give us strength and courage. Lord, I pray your blessing upon your people. Let us represent you well. And God, help us to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. Lord, we love you this day. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here. See you next week. Some more Christmas.